Hey everyone, welcome to the Mortgage Man podcast brought to you by Tanta Financial Advisors. In this podcast series, we're going to bring to you information around KiwiSaver, how to withdraw it, how to use it, how to make the most of it, as well as mortgages, obviously. When it comes to buying your first home, your first investment property, or your 10th, we can definitely help you out. And finally, we talk to professionals in each of those industries to help cover specific topics, to help you guys out when it comes to buying, selling, or insuring yourself and your loved ones. So enjoy, and if you need to get in touch, please email us at hello at tanta.co.nz. Hey everyone, welcome to another Mortgage Man podcast. It is Aaron here and I'm joined by Anthony Brown, one of the mortgage brokers at Tanta. Anthony, how you doing? Yeah, good Aaron. How are you, mate? Not too bad. Thanks for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to me, even though you talk to me pretty much every day anyway. Um, <laughs> about oh, this is this is vir- this is virtual though. We're in different regions today. Yeah, it's a good one. Love it. <laughs> and it's about something more serious than our usual banter. Um, today we're going to talk about a project that you have been working on, um, which is a relocatable house onto a piece of land that you bought. And the reason I suppose mm-hmm. we're doing this is because you've learned a lot. Um, and it is kind of one of those hot topics at the moment where people are thinking, shit, it's expensive to buy a whole house with land. Why can't I just add yeah. the two together? So, um, we're going to kind of cover for those of you listening, kind of cover how much it costs to do this roughly, um, why you do it, what time frame you can expect to kind of get this done in. Um, do you need the council involved? Do you need the bank involved? Um, and then what things to look for when you're looking at a piece of land and where the heck you're going to find a cheap house to put on your land. Um, so, and start from the beginning. Mm. Why did you want to do this? Um, what was the attraction for you? Yeah. Um, it was quite interesting because I kind of knew from the outset that I wanted to um, do a home and land. Like, you know, I looked at, I wanted to buy some land and do something with it. I felt like I wanted to create multiple sources of income eventually on some land. Um, and I felt like a good way to do that was to buy a section and put the house on it. Because when you look at it, a lot of the existing houses that are, um, that are already there, the sections, the houses in New Zealand are normally stuck right in the middle of the section <laughs> and it doesn't really allow much opportunity to build anything else in a lot of cases. So I wanted some land and I also kind of thought, yeah, I'll build on it and sort of explored all the options from there. Okay. And why did you decide, I guess, to have a relocatable as opposed to just getting a builder out and building you a house? Yeah. Um, straight up, it's just cost savings. Um, materials at the moment in the market are super expensive and lots of things are hard to get a hold of. Um, and I was also considering if it was going into winter to start to build the project, you obviously got a lot of time delays there as well. So fundamentally cost savings, it's probably half the price to get a existing relocatable. Um, I reckon it's about a a three quarters of the price of a new build if you build like a new relocatable in a factory and move it to the section. So there's kind of a few different types of relocatables as well. Yeah, and I think uh, also time, right? So time is money. If you've already got a built house somewhere else, it's probably a lot faster just to move it on site than to get someone to start from scratch to build it. 100%, yeah. Yeah, 
And the majority of the cost in building a house is actually labor for people building it, you know? Um, so that's a big consideration as well. Okay. Do you want to walk us through, I guess, the, the details of where this piece of land is and what the process has been? You can include dollar value if you don't mind sharing as well, or rough dollar value, um, so that people can have yeah, sure. an idea of where it is. Obviously, this is in Auckland, if you're in Wellington or wherever, some things or maybe the land cost is going to be cheaper but maybe the rest of the things are going to be roughly the same yeah so um section costs six hundred and fifty thousand. um it's in like northwest auckland um <clears throat> riverhead area the the main thing that um have to look at from the get-go is just there's quite often when you see the sale and purchase agreement for some land, you want to check something called the covenants, um, especially if somebody's subdivided it, you know, there's going to be rules on there around what you can and can't do to that section. So some of the covenants on our the section that we're working on was that the house had to be bigger than 140 square meters. Um, and it, there was some sort of restrictions around um, not putting tiny homes on it afterwards and stuff like that. So like caravans or, you know, unpainted corrugated roofs and things like that. Yeah. So it definitely pays to to read that that document that you eventually signed to buy the house because then you'll see what you're getting yourself into. Yeah, and I think a good thing on that is some pieces of land don't even let relocatables on there. Um, some say Correct. you have a, a building built out of new materials, so a relocatable. Yep. Um, or an existing house being moved on site is not exactly uh, that. So, yeah, be careful if you are doing yeah. it. Make sure you can do it. Yeah, and the other the one there that I almost got caught on, out on was the size of the house. Um, the house that we actually ended up getting was 120 square metres, um, but we were able to get that checked off by the, uh, the person, that's the vendor that sold us the section, and they were okay with that being 120 but technically they could have said no because it's supposed to be 140 square meters on their contract okay cool so you bought the land and then did you i guess buy the land before you found a house with the hope that you'd find one yes or you already had one in mind okay so you kind of yep. did that all right and then um where did you find the house or where should other people look to find the house houses yeah i, I was Quite lucky to get one um, pretty much next to nothing, um, which was really, really, really great. <laughs> um, if I was to do it again, I'd think it would be quite hard to find that. But if you do look on Trade Me, you know, there's some really good quality houses for sort of ten to $30,000. Um, and that's, you know, you're buying a full house for that. You're getting the weatherboards, you're getting all of those, you're getting everything on the house. If you look at it, if you started from scratch, just the weatherboards alone on the outside of the house might, might cost $25,000. Mm. So there's a huge cost saving there from pure materials sake. Um, in terms of cost, just straight out of the gate that you, you're going to think about with getting the house to where you want it to be, you're going to have to obviously buy the house for whatever cost they're willing to sell it to you for. And then you're going to have to pay for somebody to move that house. Um, and in terms of how much it costs to move the house is really dependent on where you're moving it from and where you're moving it to and how challenging that is. And do you have to chop the house in half and do you have to lower the roof down or there's quite a few complexities there around 
how is this going to be an easy move or is it going to be uh, something that's a bit, a bit harder to do? Yeah. So obviously the bigger the house, the harder it is to move. Are there certain house shapes mm. that we can, you know, not chop up, but still be quite big. Cause obviously if you're, if you're chopping a house up, that's going to be a two piece move, which I assume is probably going to be double the, or close to double the yeah. house, right? Cause if you go there and back twice. Yeah. It's typically the houses that kind of look like containers. <laughs> that are the good ones the good ones to move you know they're, they're not too wide but they can be quite long um because any any house that you've got that's got bits sticking out on random random places makes it really hard for them to support that on a truck mm-hmm. so ideally if you can get something that's you know long and and uh and narrow then um that's going to be a, a really good shout then again sometimes like you see those big bungalows that are getting taken down in, in Remuera or Ponsonby, um, they manage to shift those as well. They're pretty crazy what they can do. And that might be perfect for a section that you're looking at in terms of the character you want to put on there. So yeah, which sometimes it's worth of, it. Yeah, which reminds me of another point. Obviously, you got your house from a developer that just didn't want the house. I'm doing a development and I don't want the existing house on there. So if you're lucky, you could potentially get a house for close to nothing because you're doing the developer a favor by removing it. Because if we have to remove it ourselves, that could cost 20 to $30,000 in, I guess, removal and construction costs to take down a house. So if you get yep. the right uh, friends or the right connections, then that's probably a good way of doing it because you're saving the developer um, some money. Um, and I mean, if you're, and if you're, you know, if you're brave enough, if you see a house gets a house is on on the market and you go talk to the real estate agent and you ask, maybe you might be able to get that introduction. Um, yeah. Any way you can get something that's not open market and you're finding somebody else to talk to somebody else to get that, <laughs> you're yeah. already ahead of the game. Yeah, absolutely. So we've covered the land. So what to look for is obviously section that can have relocatable put on. Does it really matter yeah. about the zoning or size of the section or is that just down to personal preference? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of other things you want to consider with a section anyway. Just even if you were buying a section, regardless of um, whether you're doing a relocatable or you're building something with GJ Gardner or whatever, um, things like what, what's the stormwater like? You know, do you, is there, is there public, a public system that is going to basically take all the shit <laughs> or do you have to do something like so the, the section that we've got has an amacerator so because the system can't handle um the septic from all the houses so you have to help it and that's an additional cost um you know is there is it a very steep section because then you're going to run into a few more issues with having the house put in there with the piles because the house goes on what's called piles which are big basically poles that go on the ground and those need to be concreted in and there needs to be a minimum amount of space under the house that somebody can crawl through to you know check any issues um so those kind of things if you if you if ideally if you can buy a section that's flat or you can get a digger in there and do some earthworks and make it you know quite flat that's going to be advantageous yeah and i guess also easy access you don't want one that's down a narrow driveway because then the house ain't going to fit yeah, I mean, a lot, lot of like logically just think about a seven meter wide, you know, house 
uh, seven by like 10 meter house coming, trying to go in there or whatever, the, however big it is. Mm. Um, what's the access like? <laughs> yeah. Okay. And in terms of finding a house, we kind of obviously already talked about it, but a brick house mm. versus a weatherboard house versus a plaster house. I assume moving yeah. a brick house is near impossible. Um, whereas a weatherboard house makes more sense. Is is it possible to yeah. move past the house or is it just weatherboard houses? I good question. I don't actually know, to be honest. I think I've seen a few brick houses there, but yeah, ideally, I mean weatherboard's gonna be the least issues for you. Um when they move a house, they they smash down any chim like brick chimneys and things like that they have. Mm -hmm. So I could imagine bricks probably a bit more. Um Bit more dodgy, and I can't imagine them moving a plaster house anywhere but, but to the tip. <laughs> um, in terms of leaky, yeah, leaky building reference there. Um, I don't know, yeah, hard to say, man. Hard to say. Yeah. Um, so how do you like get permission from the council to do this? Do they do you need to get a resource consent or a building consent? Do you need to tell them at all? What's the council's kind yeah. of involvement, and does it cost a lot of money to get them involved? Yeah, and, and this would probably be a really good place to 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 start before you maybe put some money down on houses. You need to get what's called like a secondhand building inspection report. Um, and that's essentially going to check whether this house will last for another 50 years once you move it on to the new section. Because if it doesn't, then the council is not going to give you consent to move a, you know, a, cra a crappy house new new section where it then just falls to pieces um so that would be if you're considering buying a house i think that'd probably be the best place to start okay and mm. once you've done that if you've ticked that off do you then need to do you need a resource consent or that's an allowed activity so maybe it's just a building consent right yeah i i just had to do a building consent um so yeah pretty straightforward and i mean most most sort of you don't necessarily even need an architect you could get like a um what's the word draftsman to probably do that for you um it's really just sort of about choosing that location on the site where you want it to be um other services was there anything else which i think that needed before council not really yeah mainly just that building inspection uh, that building report um before you actually move the house, you will need to, to check this. There's no asbestos in it as well, which can be quite an, uh, um, quite a like expensive ac activity. Uh, the baseboards, like, so the bottom part of the house that we moved had asbestos in the baseboards and they come do a report and that costs about $700. And then to actually remove all the baseboards was about five and a half grand. So, so you, you can kind of see that Things can add up quite quickly, but still a valuable activity when you're saving half the cost of a, a new build. Yeah, okay. So, so far I've got the land costs 650. The house is pretty much free. Um, council, how much would you have to spend there to get the building report and all the other stuff done? Yeah, so council now um, does it based on how long it takes as well. And then obviously the value that you declare, how much that's going to be worth. But for this, I reckon if you considered maybe around three and a half grand, if you're moving one house onto a section and I guess the area as well, but that was in Auckland. So, so that's about three and a half grand. Okay, so that's pretty much nothing compared to. 
a resource consent or building a whole new house. Um, and then we have to get to the transportation. So yes. when you find a transport company, they prep the house and they also prep the site and put it on piles, right? As well as moving the, the whole house. So what, yeah, what they'll do is they'll come once you can, and this is probably the, one of the hardest things is finding somebody that will move that for you because they're really busy. Um, and quite often they sell you, sell you the house and then they're, if you buy a house off a house moving company, then you're kind of like, you're in there, right? But if you find one off somebody else, then it's a little bit harder because they're probably not making as much money off you. So harder to lock them in, but you can still do it. Um, they, what they will do is they'll come look at the house, check it, check whether it's going to be a one piece, two piece, however many pieces move. And then they'll drive the actual, you know, they'll drive from where the house is currently to the new site, or they'll look at it on Google Maps type of thing and just check any any issues that they're not they're not going to drive down a street and then get halfway down and go, oh, this isn't going to fit. <laughs> um, so that's kind of the start of that. And then once once they've 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 checked it, yep, sweet, we can move this house and we're happy to do it. Then they're going to give you a price and ideally lock in a date for that move. Um, mm. Other things that can pop up with that are they might need to do like traffic management for the road. So they might need to tell cars not to park on the road on that night. Um, they can like lift the house over cars and turn it sideways and do some pretty crazy stuff. But sometimes there's points where there's just, you know, trees and cars and there's just too many things to, to get over. <laughs> so a rough one piece move would cost what, $30,000? I reckon like you probably consider say 40000 if you're in the North Island, 40, 40 to 50 maybe. It depends how far you're moving it, right? So we only moved the house from Tiara to the Riverhead and it cost about 35000 um, If you were moving it further, obviously, time. They have like two pilot vehicles. So they have a guy in front of the truck and a, and a vehicle and a guy behind them. And they're jumping in and out and taking pole you know, signs down on the road and they put them back up when the truck drives past them. So there's quite a there's quite a lot of people involved in in doing it. So um, the longer they're obviously that they're driving, the more expensive it is. Okay, which makes sense further. So then I guess yeah. if it's a two piece move or a bigger house, that could easily be an eighty thousand dollar move, that kind of thing. Hundred percent, yeah, because the truck's got to go twice, right? And and these trucks are worth you know in the vicinity of. Five hundred to seven hundred thousand dollars for these businesses. So the time, it's the time that you have the truck there. I guess. Yeah. Some pretty impressive machines to use. So yeah. Yeah. So what's the time yeah. frame for a house to be prepped, moved, and then I guess on site and ready for the council to, to check off? So I th it was pretty much the house move itself took about a week. So um, what they do is they come in and they will. They will jack the house up initially. Um, once you you need to make sure normally that you've cleared the deck. There's no deck that's blocking access or there's stairs in the way and things like that. Once that's all out of the way, they'll come and jack the house up on these like uh, hydraulics. And then the next day, the house truck will come in and actually go underneath the house and they'll lower it down. And then that night, normally late at night, so there's no cars on the road, they'll move it to the site. Yeah. Um, and then what they'll do is they'll kind of get the levels right. So you need to, another cost that you have to have there is a surveyor um, to peg out where the house is going to go. 
and that's sort of about a thousand dollars or so around about there. Um, they'll pig the site out to, and then they'll put a level on the fence so that the house moving company knows what height to have the house at. And then um, they'll pretty much have it there. They'll put it up on those jacks again. And then they'll go around underneath the house and, and drill all the holes for the piles that the house is going to sit on. Um, so they can kind of take that truck away sort of after, you know, that after it's dropped it off and the house is there on the piles. Mm. Um, and then they get a machine to go in there and drill, drill all the holes. Um, the council needs to see the holes to inspect the, the depth and the width and things like that. And um, once they've inspected that, then they can pour the concrete. And then I think they need to let that sit, you know, at least overnight. And then they'll put, and then they'll eventually, after that, they'll drop the house down onto the piles. Um, and the next time the council will come back is once your builders connected that house to the piles with, you know, sort of bolts and braces and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And is that the last time the council comes? Because obviously you want to be able to look no. as soon as possible and the council needs to start. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the next step after that would be hooking up all your services, right? So you need to get a drain layer to dig a ditch to put the pipes in and then uh, an electrician's going to run your um, electricity and your fibre and whatnot from, from the boundary where the power would be. Um, and then obviously a plumber to hook up your water and stuff like that. Um, a big difference between a one-piece move and a two-piece move is if you can do a one-piece move and you don't have to cut the electrics, um, it's, you think about every light switch in the house has got some wires running to it, you know, and if you have to cut the house in half, all those wires become basically useless yeah. um, and you've got to rewire the whole house. So it, there can be quite a bit of costs there depending on how clean that gets moved or how, you know, whether it needs to be redone there. Okay. I mean, it still sounds a lot cheaper than building a house or buying a house because if you think of what you've just said, excluding the land cost and the house cost, because that could be free or it could be $30,000, everything still seems like you're almost sub $100,000. But of course, you do need to probably do some renovations or add a deck on or um, tidy up the inside um, as well, right? Mm. Landscaping, I guess. Yeah. Well. Yeah, and like I'd happy be happy to do a bit of a spreadsheet that we share on our website or something like that of some some rough costs as well for people to have to think about. Don't hold me to those, but <laughs> yours might be quite different. But happy to put that up there as well. Um, so some of the expenses that we didn't that have kind of got nothing to do with the house itself, but have definitely in, like sort of increased the price for us was just doing earthworks. So the site wasn't completely flat, but we flattened it out. And that was really it was a really good idea because now the house is low enough to the ground that any decks that we build around the house don't they're not over a meter high, so we don't have to get council consent for any um, any decks that we put up. Whereas if it was over a meter, you've got to put handrails, got to get inspections. It's all just additional cost. Yeah. Um, so that was earthworks, and then also like retaining walls and stuff like that as well. Um, so yeah, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, all in, you're probably, what, 850, 900-ish? Yeah, so I mean, total cost, that I think that the, the um, project's going to cost us probably about 175000 plus the land. Yeah. Um, whereas, I, and I think, you know, there's definitely some, some things there where we know a mate of a mate that does 
that, that does some um, building work or does some electrical work. So we got some discounts there. But I think if you were safely assuming, say maybe 250 plus your land cost, um, that would be a good place to start. Mm. And what do you think the end value will be once it's all signed off and finished? Yeah, I mean, I'll get a, we have to get a final valuation done um, to get, so this is one of the hardest things about this project is you can't really get much funding for a relocatable house because um, it's, it's, it's like trying to do a tiny home. Um, the house isn't on the section, so they can't use the end value of it to justify the mortgage lending that they give you. So whereas if you build something on site with the builder, and that you know, once the house has got a foundation, a concrete slab, that's got value, right? Once the walls are up, that's got value. All of those things slowly build value, but whereas when you're relocating a house, there's not really any value that the bank can use until it's got a code of compliance. Mm. So that's the hardest thing that you'll sort of come across. But you can always borrow 80% of the land. Mm. Um, so I guess you could go 80% of the land and if the, if the land goes up, maybe try to borrow some more. I don't know. We could try that. Um, but it's, yeah, having that sorted out or do you have another property that you can borrow some money against to make that, facilitate that um, that, that cost until you get council sign-off, which is triple C. Yeah. Code of compliance. So um, obviously the finished project is going to be worth a lot more than you put into it. But yeah, the funding. A lot more. Yeah, the funding of how you're going to do it is going to be very dependent on your situation, yeah. um, which is, I guess, where I realize <laughs> as mortgage brokers to help people out. Yeah. Um, and yeah I so, I mean, what I, what I was getting at, sorry, sorry, we're jumping there. What I was getting at with that valuation thing is, um, I, I think personally, this is my take on it is, um, the value of a new house versus an existing house is only very slightly. It's not a slight difference, in my opinion. It's not like buying a new car versus an old car. Um, an old house has some features that are really like quite desirable, you know, like wooden floors that you can't get anymore. You can only get those clickety clackety kind of plastic feeling wooden ones. Um, so there is, it's not the same discussion as new car old car so i think the valuation of, of a of this house would be yeah pretty pretty close maybe 100k off what it would have been if you had it built new um there's some houses in that down the road maybe gone for 1.4 you know so you buy it for 650 you put 175,000 into it you can see that you that's quite a good quite a good outcome yeah Okay, yeah, I think that's whether you're going to live in a house or do it as an investment property or something that you can sell, there's definitely a profit to be made. Um, so let's try and dive a little bit deeper on this funding side of things. So sure, yeah. you're going to buy the land at $650,000. You're going to tell the bank, I want a mortgage for the land. They'll say, cool, we need a deposit. Um, the land... Mm. I guess borrowing rules for most banks that if you're going to build on it, uh, they'll say we need proof and we can give you um, 80% of the land value. If you're not going to build yes, on it yeah. for three or 12 months, then they'll say you need to put 50% in. So obviously yeah, sure. your goal should be to do the relocatable uh, within the 12 months. The bank will want to see that you can afford to pay 
back the loan on the total cost, right? So the the build, the relocation, yeah. plus the land. Um, yeah. So I think probably the best way I think probably the best way to go about it is often when the opportunity to buy a piece of land comes up, you have to make that decision fairly quickly, right? So you might get a, you, a piece of land comes up for sale and you need to put an offer in that day, right? Um, and give the, the, aid, the real estate agent 15 working days to, you know, to, fig to figure out whether you're going to go unconditional on that property or not. So a good way that you can kind of get around this with the bank is, hey, look, I've got 15 working days until I need to go unconditional on this, this piece of land. You know, here's, I'm approximately going to spend land and build is going to be about this much. And you kind of need to provide some rough idea of cost of that. A good idea could be like, you know, you get a quote for, you might still not be sure whether you're going to do an old, you know, relocatable and existing one, or whether you're going to do a new build relocatable one, or whether you're just going to build a new house. Right. So you just present a option and they, they know full well that you haven't, you haven't you know, solidified which option you're going to do. And there are some banks that will let you do that. There are some other banks that won't let you do that. And that's kind of our job of finding out which one's going to be more, more forgiving to you trying to buy this piece of land with not as much plans as maybe say like a land and house and land package that you buy off. GJ Gardeners or Signature Homes or something like that. Yeah, so that gets you the mortgage on the land going down that yes, route. Yeah. Then if you're going to spend 175000 to move the relocatable onto the site, how do you get funding for that? Is it possible or do you have to self-fund? Yeah, so the best, the best course of action initially would be topping up money against an, like an existing house that's completely separate. Um, then I guess the next option would be if you have cash yourself, then the next option would be ask your family. <laughs> um, then the next option after that would have to be some kind of probably personal loan that I can see at this stage. And I think this is the biggest hurdle in the whole process is you can't get that additional money until the house is on the section with a code of compliance. And what, but once it's got code of compliance, you can borrow as much as you, as you need. So, um, how what we're doing here is i'm going to interject there so once you've got code of compliance yeah. you can basically go to a main bank borrow 80 percent of its value and pay back the personal loan or the friends and family or the cash or whatever you did to get your money back 100 percent, yeah and and if you think about like what you need to do in terms of planning out the project you want to make sure that you're only doing this area straight away way until you can get some money to do everything else so you know you might put up some steps to the house that are you're going to intend to take down and build a massive bifold doors and decks or whatever you know landscaping prioritize what you need to do to get the bank to check it off rather than just doing what what you want to do in a haphazard order yeah and it comes down to budgeting and planning because Time is money, right? So there's no point of sitting on an empty piece of land that's not making you money while you figure out all the other stuff, get that sorted as soon as possible. Some some people some people do quite well off land banking, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ideally not. Yeah. Yeah. So more of a long term play, I think. I'd rather have income producing or a house to live in. Um, okay, I think we've covered quite a lot of stuff. 
people that have been listening probably will need to re-listen to it, which is all good because it's on Spotify and everywhere else to re-listen to as many times as you like. Um, if they have more specific questions, I guess they can email you directly. So what is your email address? Yep. Just, just send me an email, anthony at tanta.co.nz. So that's A-N-T-H-O-N-Y at tanta, T-A-N-T-A dot co.nz. I'm happy to answer any questions. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else that we have kind of missed that might be not so obvious for a, a novice like me compared to an experienced professional like yourself? I think um I think something that's quite interesting about the uh, relocatable houses that counts as a new a new house for the section. So if you're doing this as an investment property, um it counts as a new build, therefore you still get tax deductibility rules on it, um, much the same you would if you bought a new house, which is kind of what the government's trying to do. They're trying to make more livable housing for people, right? So, and another option could be very well that I think the rules are gonna change potentially around zoning. Um, me and Aaron were talking about this before in, in August this year, um, and they might allow people to do more sort of high density um, rather than, doing what everyone else is doing and, you know, bowling the houses over and building a whole lot of uh, small units. Um, you could maybe just move a house that's already on a section to the back and then put a new one on the front and create two houses where there was one. Yeah. So I think that's quite an interesting opportunity. Out of I think this. that also comes into planning where you place the house in the first place. So if you're going to do the relocatable anyway, yeah. don't put it in the middle of a section if you want to put another house or potentially put another house on that section later on because then <laughs> just it's expensive moving a house yes. five meters back because you didn't put it in the right place and you know, even if you just buy you relocate a house to a section and then you leave enough space that you can do a minor dwelling you know that's some somewhere where your parents can come stay um or you know you can rent it out for some extra money it's like gives you way more options yeah all right Definitely sounds like it's a cool. worthwhile thing to do because houses are getting expensive, build costs are getting expensive, um, and there's lots of existing houses that are being destroyed or moved because of bigger developments. And it's a little, I always find it quite sad when there's like a, a character villa that's mm. just been destroyed rather than lifted up and moved off, um, which just seems like a complete waste because those things are you know, quite rare and there's only going to be a certain number of them. I think, you're, you know, if you look at your carbon tax for the air, you're really saving there as well if you save a house. So <laughs> it's probably a good thing for the, for the environment as well, not ending up in the tip. So, yeah, definitely. Cool. Well, uh, I think we'll call it there. As Anthony said, if you need any more specific questions answered, you can email him or you can just email hello at tanta.co.nz. Um, and we'll forward them on to him. Thanks, mate, for uh, sharing your experience so far. I know it's not finished yet. And no worries. There's no surprises, but it should be uh, all good for you to move in and we can have Christmas there, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think just the last point I noticed there is um, getting your council costs, just something to remember there, council costs for like electrical connections and water care connections, those things are like public sector and sometimes they take six to eight months or you know six to eight, not six to eight months six to eight weeks to get around to doing things so the sooner you can start those things that are controlled by council um, or 
you know, organizations that hold a monopoly over water or power, uh, the better you, you'll be. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a good point because that comes. Yeah. All right. Cool. Thank you, mate. And uh, we will see you on next time for another exciting topic.